The Spin-Off Podcast Network. You're listening to Business is Boring, a podcast that reckons it's anything but. Business is Boring is brought to you by SparkLab, offering inspiration and practical advice to help businesses find their edge. To hear more about SparkLab, including details about the latest events, workshops, and business tools, visit sparklab.co.nz. And now, here's your host, Simon Pound. Kia ora koutou katoa. Welcome to Business is Boring. After the Canterbury earthquakes in 2011, a group of entrepreneurial and dedicated people got together to start Coffee and Jams to help spark more connections, action, and startups for the city. Since then, this spirit has translated into the Ministry of Awesome that runs an incubator, a startup hub and community, a founder catalyst service, and works to increase diversity of founders through partnerships and their Electrify Aotearoa Festival, working to create more woman leadership in the startup world. CEO Marion Johnson joins us now to talk the journey, how their work has helped Christchurch shoot up the rankings for the best startup cities worldwide, and the work that is still to do. Tanakwe, thank you for joining us. Tanakwe. So, yeah, take us back to getting started after the earthquakes. How did that come together and what was the goal of those first kind of coffee uh, catch-ups? Sure. So, I mean, first off, I wasn't at Ministry of Awesome in 2011. I didn't join until 2017, but I was living in Christchurch. So I was here throughout the pre-earthquake and then the earthquake period. And so from my perspective as just a citizen of the <laughs> citizen of the city, um, suffering along with everyone else, um, I was running a software company out. We all had to move out by the airport because everybody did. We were all in porta cabins out there. Um, and then this thing called Ministry of Awesome was created. And I remember reading about it and thinking, first off, um, what a crazy name. What is that? Um, and then uh, reading a lot about the coffee and jam, went to a couple a couple of coffee and jams. Um, now that I'm on the inside, I can tell you what happened is that after the earthquake, there was about a year worth of chaos and just sheer nastiness. And really the most important thing was making sure everyone was safe, making sure the buildings were going to fall on anyone, making sure you moved yourself to wherever you needed to move yourself, making sure you could get some money in. Um, and, uh, and then we started with red tape and rebuild and just the whole thing stalling and everything everything just being a complete pain in the ass. And at that stage, um, pretty much anyone who had any aversion to risk had left. Um, So they went somewhere else. They went to Auckland. They went North Ireland. They went Australia. People went to Canada. Everyone was going everywhere. And all of these people who were super excited about risk came into Christchurch. Um, And so that's, I I can't remember the exact number, but 70,000 people from all over the world came to rebuild the city. And these are people who essentially wanted to start something really cool and really new. Um, And a lot of those people were also flocking to Coffee and Jam. So Coffee and Jam was basically a... um, 
a think tank. Uh, think tank sounds like uh, something really, really carefully thought up, but it wasn't. It was just a get together where anyone from anywhere, whether you just got off the plane or whether you had lived there for years, whether you were a retiree or a student or a politician or a mayor or whatever, you could turn up for an hour, have some toast with some hummus or some jam, have a cup of coffee, and learn about what the heck was going on and be part of the conversation over what was going to happen next in Christchurch. And Ministry of Awesome and Through Coffee and Jam just ended up being kind of a, a fantastic um, sort of taking off point for all sorts of incredible ideas that kept Christchurch light and bright. <laughs> I mean, I just want to say it sounds super facetious, but it was so important at the time. It shot rainbows all around the city and kept things going. And, um, you know, it's certainly not responsible for the uh, restart mall, you know, the container mall. It's not responsible for the bicycle cinema. It's not responsible for the dance mat, but it's those people that were coming to Coffee and Jam and that were meeting each other and galvanizing from there to do something cool for the city. So by the time I came on board in 2017, late 2017, um, the city and the rebuild was full swing. We were pretty much three quarters done with all of the major projects. And the big job then was, all right, economic development wise, what's the goal of the city? What are we going to be? We had been the Garden City. Um, we had been this place that was, I guess, city number five or six on people's destination chart um, and had a great tech sector, that's for sure. Um, but the Economic Development Agency in their strategy unveiled that this was going to be the city of innovation, which quite honestly, Simon, that's every city in the whole wide world right now, right? The city of innovation, the city of startups, but very different from the rest of the economic development agencies in the world. They put a strategy behind it. They put an execution plan. They put a budget behind it. And, um, and it was fantastic. They made it very, very clear. It was future of food and fiber, future of transport and aerospace, um, health tech, med tech, and then high tech underpinning the whole thing. And, um, and at that stage, our startup ecosystem was very dispersed. Anybody who had a big idea and really wanted to make it happen, if they could go elsewhere, they would go elsewhere because there was no in, in there was really no investment community here. There was no real dynamic startup community where you could get peer-to-peer -peer support and where you could meet other people like you. You know, if you were in that vein, you'd go to Wellington where Creative HQ is doing some stuff, uh, or you'd go to Auckland where Flux through Ice House was happening and where all the VCs were anyway. Um, or you'd go even better, Sydney, Melbourne, um, or even better, you'd go to New York, um, you'd go to London, you'd go to the Valley, you'd go somewhere like that. So Christchurch was bereft um, and really quite, you know, anyone who all of those bright sparks that we did have were very dispersed. So the first thing that had to happen is we had to create an immediate community. And so in terms of that city of innovation, it's not going to happen if you don't have startup founders and you don't have innovators. So we ended up um, putting ourselves forward as the soldier for Christchurch NZ, our economic development agency, to make all that happen, and that's where it started. What steps did you take as Ministry of Awesome to help to kind of bring people together and solve that problem of the, the talent being a bit disparate and not connected in that way? 
Yeah. Well, there's, it's actually, it's actually really interesting. It's a three-step process and it's a three-step process that, um, that ecosystems, startup ecosystems have, have, have basically um, ticked off all over the world. So there's this organization, I just came back from the Global Entrepreneurship um, Conference in uh, Melbourne, and uh, one of the key groups that put that on is Startup Genome. And Startup Genome basically maps out um, every startup ecosystem around the world, um, measures it, and pulls out every last bit of of, um, metric and um, roadmap for every single one of those ecosystems. So it's a really useful kind of tool to use um, because they have a methodology. There is a playbook, right? And at the stage of our ecosystem in Christchurch, it's what we call activation phase. So at activation phase, um, you have to do three things. The first one is make startups a thing. And that is essentially all about role modeling, telling the story, pointing people to a community, continuously talking about all of the real and rad examples there are around the city. So I mentioned there was a startup ecosystem. It was just madly dispersed. So the first thing that we had to do was start telling its story. And then quite honestly, we had to gather everyone into a, into a space where we could squash them all up and create some kind of density. So that they could all start firing off each other. And that's really the critical piece. So create that startup community by making startups a thing, creating a, a hub, um, and smashing them all up together and shutting the door. Um, and then the second thing um, that we do is as soon as you start telling that story, it's quite incredible. Other people who are very like-minded begin to flock. So they come straight to it. They see there's there's the honeypot. We're coming in. All my friends are here. All of the other other people who are like me are here. All of my potential employees and partners and whatever are all here. Um, and the minute that starts to happen, you start to comb through all of the all of the talent that is there, and you find those gold threads. And the second you find those gold threads, you light a fire underneath them, you network them, you introduce them to investors, you introduce them to each other, you introduce them to potential first customers. Um, and that was the job pretty much for the first two years um, was, was tell the story, um, sift through the community, and then network the hell out of everyone um, so they could get exactly where they needed to go without having to find the way themselves. And then the third thing that you do is you bring in all of the essential partners. So you've got a founder. The next thing the founder needs is they need potential co-founders. They need uh, potential employees. They need um, mentors. They need advisors. They need investors. Um, they need someone to tell their story. So that's journalists. They need they need students, um, and and they they need um, a potential for R and D. So if somebody's on a long tail of development, there's someone there who can take them to a lab and help them, you know, get themselves set up. And the minute that you create that little bubble around them, that little space, and make it really quite um, as as tight as possible, that's when you start to see things fire. What is the business model behind that as the work that you do at Ministry of Awesome is really interesting, isn't it? And that you provide a lot of these services that, you know, an incubator program or an accelerator might, uh, in that there's a physical space and then there's programs of work and interventions and the like. Um, but unlike lots of programs, you're not a group that 
takes lots of equity out of people. Hey, like, tell us about that philosophy and 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 how you set it up to be able to provide those services in a way that's so founder friendly. Well, I mean, Ministry of Awesome is a not for profit. And the whole goal for Ministry of Awesome is to grow New Zealand's economy um, and to grow New Zealand's economy through founder-led innovation. Um, and the reason that we do that is because, I'm, you know, everyone everyone has this vision, and it's um, and it's it's a vision that we truly believe in, which is that New Zealand is a knowledge-based economy. That we have these high-value jobs. That every um, every piece of that knowledge economy is doing its absolute best for our people, um, but also without um, extracting too much from our planet. So that's the whole point of what we do. I mean, NZ Tech and many other organizations, you know, share that vision. Um, and so if we if we work backwards from there, we have to be we have to be founder first. We have to um, at the very very early stage of the of startup, you have hundreds of people who have really exciting ideas that are not necessarily tested. They're not necessarily fully validated. They certainly don't have product market fit. And quite honestly, they're just not investable. So to some extent, we didn't necessarily make the decision that we won't be an investing type incubator or accelerator. It's just that we did make the decision that the first thing we have to do is to bring more and more startups into the pipeline, which means that we're the first stop. We are super early stage. And super early stage, no one's interested in because it's too hard. And super early stage, there's too much attrition. And super early stage, no way you're going to invest. you got to get people a little bit further along before you have your kind of angel stage investment where there is some mitigated risk. At the stage that we come in, we're pretty much minimum viable product um, maybe first customer, um, maybe you know some sort of a pilot program with first customer where trying to establish that initial product market fit, um, there is no revenue. That's the stage we come in at. And the stage that we leave at is after the first raise. So that's pre-seed. Um, our, our startups will generally be coming in raising, so at MVP, developing, and then that first raid, that pre-seed, that first raise, the pre-seed round is probably around anywhere from, say, 150000 through to $1.5 million. What do the operations of Ministry of Awesome look like today? As there's quite a few ways that you're helping and interacting with startups, right? So um, when we first started out in late 2017, so we finally got our strategy in place in January 2018, February 2018, and that's where we started that whole make startups a thing, identify the talent, uh, create a community. By the time we got about a year later, we had a really fantastic crew of founders in the hub. We had created a partnership with Otta Institute of Canterbury, which is now part of the Tepukinga Network. The reason we did that is they have 7,000 students in the city center. They have R&D. They have labs. And that was just magic um, from the perspective of our founders because they could access students and magic also for students because the students could look over the hedge and say, hey, I, I could be interested in startup. So from there, we started to really grow um, the Christchurch and Canterbury 
um, high growth startup sector. And we were super lucky. You know, it was kind of like, you know, how a musician will have a first album. Our first album was flipping incredible. It was, it was just a top 40 hit. Um, it was um, partly was in the first group. Uh, Piper Vision was in the first group. Komodo was in the first group. Datch was in the first group. These are, you know, startups that whose founders are incredible, who who have made incredible sort of incursions into their sector, and from there, of course, that attracted that attracted more people. But at that stage, because we now had you know, a functioning machine, it was really starting, the wheels were really starting to turn, that attracted um, support from Christchurch NZ, our local economic development agency, who wanted to see obviously more of this because it underpinned their strategy in a very big way. And so suddenly we were able to hire an incubation manager, somebody who could literally start to build that program, whereas before that it was more like you know, peer-to-peer, but also check-ins with various people who voluntarily would, you know, spend their time because they love startup. Now we could create a kind of a playbook and an incubator here. And then after Christchurch NZ came on board, um, the next thing was in June last year, we were successful in getting the startup services um, RFP through in a consortium with HTK, who specialize in Maori and Pacifica startup um, early stage startup. And so what that's allowed us to do is to take Founder Catalyst, which is our incubator. It's a 12-week incubator, and uh, that incubator runs four times a year. So there's a, a new cohort every quarter. And that incubator has 15 spots. Um, some of them are local for Christchurch, um, but we now have startups from all across the country and have done for our last two cohorts, um, our northernmost startup founders in Russell in Northland and our southernmost founders in Gore. Um, so it's a very hybrid program. Um, so Founder Catalyst is our incubator. Um, it's very, it's very, it's light touch but it's very peer-to-peer. There's a lot of accountability in it. You get partnered with um, really strong mentors. You get a commercialization bench. Um, And then there's all sorts of uh, professional advisors who are part of it, like uh, lawyers and um, consultants who can help you with your business modeling and your pricing and all that stuff. Um, Then uh, the other two programs that we run are we have two accelerators. The accelerators are slightly different because they're 12 weeks long um, and they're super intense and they're really guided. Um, And our accelerators, I think probably the best bit of the accelerators is that you're working directly with a startup mentor who is also a founder. Wonderful. And we'll be back in a moment with Marianne Johnson to talk scaling impact and changing the face of entrepreneurship. Spark is proud to partner with the Sustainable Business Network and the Climate Action Toolbox. The free Climate Action Toolbox can provide you with simple step-by-step guides to measure and reduce your emissions. Help lead the way to a low-carbon future for New Zealand. Visit sparklab.co.nz forward slash sustainability to find out more. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. 
cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. Hokimai Ano, welcome back to Business is Boring. So, being right in the middle of all of that activity and being kind of a meeting place for the parts of the ecosystem that support, whether it's uh, services or money, um, and being kind of a nexus for all of these entrepreneurs to come together and learn and share. Like, what kind of things have you learned about what it takes to be a good entrepreneur? And how do you go about picking the companies and people to be part of your programs? I mean, I'm just going to use words that are so hackneyed these days, you're going to roll your eyes, but it's so freaking true. The number one thing I think it really takes is belief. You, you've, you've just got to believe. You've got to believe. You've got to back yourself. You've got to scrape yourself up off the ground when things go horribly wrong, because they always do. You have to you have to just be constantly able to pull yourself back together again and 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 really that's that's the harsh side of it but it's also belief that you can solve a problem that you can constantly navigate that that didn't work let's try this one nope that didn't work let's solve it this way how are we going to, you know, how are we going to get over this obstacle? And that's a, just a constant, that's a constant refrain. You know, there's there's no point where a startup founder doesn't go home and obsess about their venture. So it never shuts up. And that's really wearing, you know, it's really hard. It's the hardest thing. It's, it's all, you're always, you're always thinking about it. You're always rolling it around your mouth and thinking, God, it's just a, how am I going to deal with this and and how am I going to deal with that? And I think that's true for any entrepreneur, which is why I always think if you are entrepreneurially minded, just freaking aim for the stars. It's going to be the same pain. Don't just do your little side thing. Just go for it. Make it as big and bold as you want it to be. Yeah, that's it. It's that. It's that belief. And I guess the other, the flip side of that, the word that we always use is resilience, right? You can bounce and bounce and bounce and bounce and bounce. You've got to be able to do that. I mean, in the very beginning, because I said, you know, we're super early stage. When we first meet founders, the the reason we will want to work with them is because of who they are, not because of their brilliant idea. Because quite often that brilliant idea is just, that's, in fact, quite often the brilliant idea is not a brilliant idea. And I think to myself, that is not a brilliant idea, but you're pretty brilliant. (laughs) You'll get there, you know? What have the effects been for Christchurch of this work so far as the kind of health of a startup ecosystem is something that is measured by outside places. And, you know, people do things like rank the city indexes. And um, it's pretty interesting to see, you know, the very real effect of the work that Ministry of Awesome has brought together in the lift that Christchurch has seen, right? Yeah, it is It is pretty cool. So it depends on which report you want to look at. So you know how I mentioned Startup Genome at the start of this uh, conversation? There are quite a few Startup Genome-type organizations, and probably the second group would be Startup Blink. 
Um, and Startup Blink measures startup ecosystems all around the world, just like Startup Genome does. And quite astoundingly, in 2023, um, Christchurch is the fastest growing startup city in the world. That just floors me. I think that just is, that's quite incredible. When I think about how when I moved here, I moved here with my very good looking Kiwi husband who I met in a bar in London in, geez, when did I move here? Uh, 2007. And I think about how the city was. You know, he brought me to Christchurch. He said, oh, don't bother with Auckland. That place is terrible. Don't go to Wellington either. That place sucks um, because he's Christchurch through and through. And he just, we're, we're just, just going to come here. And when I got here, I thought this is a really cool town. But I also thought I can't stay here very long because there's nothing here for me. You know, my career had always been, you know, I'd just been at Discovery Networks. Before that, I was at Universal Studios. There was no such thing here in Christchurch. There's nothing close to it. And uh, and eventually I found my way, but this city is so different than what it was when I arrived. And in, in a short space of time, well, short to me because I'm old, but nonetheless, um, very quickly we got here. And, uh, and that is 100% down to the tech ecosystem and to the startup ecosystem. And Ministry of Awesome is not the only player. You know, there's some fantastic groups out at the university who are doing incredible things. You've got a big R&D sort of, uh, sorry, research and innovation uh, piece out at the University of Canterbury. You've got Lincoln. You've got CRIs. So there's a, there's a lot happening here. But the fact that Christchurch passed Wellington in this last group of startup blink and is now the fastest growing startup city in the world is a mind blower. You certainly wouldn't have thought that, you know, when you arrived in 2007, that's for sure. Um, so the face of the city has totally changed. And whenever people arrive here, particularly people who are kind of coming in because of the startup ecosystem, which is which is happening more and more. People knock on the door and they come in, they go, I just moved here, I just moved down from Auckland, or I just moved over, I came home from Melbourne because I heard there was something going on. And that just makes me go, wow, that's amazing. I just think that's, I mean, that's just incredible, isn't it? This sleepy little place that was so pretty has turned into this juggernaut. Yeah, it's so cool. And then some of the other work you do that has a real national touch is the Electrify Aotearoa work. Tell us about, um, I guess, I guess you know both both the, uh, the 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 accelerator, but also the kind of conference element of it, where the ecosystem comes together with that focus on women in leadership. I think Electrify Aotearoa is is probably the thing that, well, I'm the most proud of, and I know the team is so proud of it, because it came from, it's it's all the work that we have done in startup, but then it's also got massive impact, I think, for generations to come. There's a real job that needs to be done here around diversity and inclusion, and that's across every sector all around the world. But startup leads, you know, startup transforms. So if we lead and transform in the startup sector, then the knock-on impact is is the same across, it, it will grow across multiple sectors. And the fact of the matter is, I'll, I'll tell you how it started. So basically, one morning, uh, Tip Pyamsambun, who used to be, um, I think she was a, uh, she might have been a partner investment manager at Blackbird Ventures, 
Um, so three years ago, uh, she rang me up and she said, hey, I'm coming to Christ Church. Uh, why don't we organize a breakfast for women founders? And I said, yeah, sure. That's a great idea. And I looked across the startup hub where we had about 35 founders sitting at that very moment in time. And I saw two women, Emily and Nadia. Everyone else was a dude. And I just thought, oh, my God, how did this happen? I'm a woman. Why didn't I notice this? What's going on? Where are all the women founders? Um, and I realized straight away, just doing a, the tiniest bit of desktop research, that this is not unusual, um, that the I think uh, at that time it was globally around 20% of uh, startup teams in the world had a woman founder on the team. Um, and that means basically that four out of five teams are all dudes. That's insane, like all dudes. And I mean, if you're a founder, that means that when you grow your start startup, you're the person who is realizing all of those decisions, who's guiding the ambition, who's deciding on the product, um, and also who is growing wealth. And, um, and four out of five teams did not have a single woman on them. And this is you know, startups are creating the innovation in the world that we're going to live in in our future, which meant that four out of five teams being dudes meant that men were basically creating the future, <laughs> full stop. Um, and so it was pretty clear that that had to change. And, you know, when we talk about what we did at Ministry of Awesome in those early days, it's tell the story, it's find the talent, it's connect the talent, right? So we knew first thing we need to do is to tell the story. Um, and we needed to do like a big thunderclap event. Um, and so working with uh, TIP and the Blackbird team, we created Electrify Aotearoa, uh, which was New Zealand's first ever Women Founders Conference. Um, and uh, we held it in Christchurch. We had um, 500 tickets sell out just like that. Um, and uh, women from all over Aotearoa came to that first Electrify. Um, it was pretty incredible. We definitely had a thunderclap. Um, the vibe was just so I don't know. I don't know what to say. Um, it was really, it was really intimate. It was really supportive. It was just fantastic. Um, so off the back of that, we then did the second Electrify Aotearoa, which took place in Auckland on the 1st of August this year. We sold out 500 tickets, had 200 on the wait list, and it was an insane event. It was so, it was, again, it was like Christchurch, but so much better, more powerful, bigger, second time round. People had kind of heard about the vibe for the first one. And the whole goal of Electrify was to inspire um, anybody who was on the journey because you do need inspiration. You have to be inspired. And to inspire people who maybe did not have huge ambition or did not have global ambition. So maybe they were just creating, maybe they're entrepreneurs, but they weren't thinking, I can make my thing go global. I have the ability to do this. I can see this. She did it. I can do it. She looks like me, sounds like me. And we just need to get to parity, which would be, what are we, 48% of the population. So 48% of the startup teams in New Zealand need to have a woman founder on them um, with a reasonable amount of equity so that we can also be building the future. Um, and the same thing needs to happen for Mari and Pacifica, who are not well represented. It's absolutely critical that 
our startup uh, and our innovation sector mirror what our population, you know, uh, looks like. You've been involved with, you know, these interventions with, uh, as you were saying, with HTK, with Māori and Pacifica, uh, with Electrify Aotearoa, and on the Startup Advisors Council, the body helping the government kind of uh, with mm. advice on charting a path to creating a better ecosystem. What are some of the kind of practical interventions that we can do to lift up groups that are underrepresented? So there's the advocacy and bringing together and, and, and the incubators and kind of, you know, one-off interventions. But what are some of the bigger things that as an industry and a culture we can we can do? I mean, the, the most important thing is around the storytelling. I know I keep saying that, and maybe it's because my whole career before before I got into startup, and actually when I got into startup was marketing, right? I'm a, I'm a marketer by trade. Um, I know how important it is to tell the story. You do too, right? You know that the minute you say something can happen and somebody can be something and you give an example and say, see, this is how it works, um, you, you inspire and you lead others into that space. And so I think the most important thing that we can do as far as that diversity and inclusion piece is make sure that we are shining the light on those people who are already doing the job, uh, but in too tiny amounts, right? So, you know, and potentially these are not the most popular founders to be shining the light on, but, you know, we're, we're talking about people like, you know, Grant Straker, who founded uh, Straker Translations. Um, he was on the Startup Council, too, which is why it's very easy for me to remember straight away um, what an incredible, you know, what an incredible mover that, that guy is. Um, and such a fantastic representation um, for a startup led by, um, you know, Tanga uh, Tafenua. And then we also have, um, if we think about somebody who's in that very early stage, um, a founder like Amber Marie Naviera, um, who's quite incredible, one of the speakers from Electrify Aotearoa. One of my favorites was Maru Niho Niho, who is the founder of Media Interactive, um, the gaming company. They're, the more we tell these stories, the the more well-known those founders become, the more likely it is that others will go, oh gosh, wait, this is what this is what we do. Okay, I'll do it too, you know? Um, because otherwise you just end up with this constant photo in your mind of, you know, that dude from Facebook. I always forget his name, can't remember his name, but, you know, you think of a guy in headphones and a hoodie. That's a startup founder. And that's just not true. You know, it's just not true. Um, but if that's the guy, then that's not me. And so therefore I don't do that stuff. So that's the most important thing I think we can do. And then once we have started to shine the light and started to tell the story of the incredible innovation and the incredible founders that are already out there, we then need to identify faster the people who are coming forward. They say, oh, I'm interested in this. This is interesting to me. Tell me more about that story. Snap them up and get some capability and some support for them. Network them immediately. 
And that's what we can do by making sure that our incubators and our, our accelerators have the right mix of people and have the diversity and inclusion that we need. Um, and potentially, this is also where we need to do um, have more um, presence in terms of Monty and Pacifica accelerators specifically. I'm not sure if that's the right model or if it's a model of just making sure that we have representative populations in all of our accelerators and incubators. Because if it's peer-to-peer, this is, this is where it happens, right? What would your advice be for people who do want to bring people together and help create these conditions for knowledge sharing and connections? As, you know, the, the number of things that you've got rolling has been just so fantastic. And the number of people that you've brought together to give so generously. So, so many of these programs that you're doing are not an equity exchange and they're there just to foster growth and foster connection. And like you say, so many of these people are paying it forward or sharing their experience. Yeah. How do you go about creating these environments of generosity? I think that one of our superpowers as a country, obviously from my accent, I'm not, I'm not from around here. <laughs> but I'm Kiwi now, so thank you. Thank you for letting me in. Thank you for letting me be Kiwi. I think it's one of our superpowers here in New Zealand is that we're small. And that is a that is a huge superpower. You know, if I think about it in terms of democracy, my vote counts. I know it does. When I vote in the States, I just, yeah, hmm, I don't think it counts. <laughs> Something's going wrong here. But in New Zealand, we're so small that everything we do counts. And you meet people all the time. You meet them and then you see them in the supermarket. You meet them and they're related to you in some way. And I, I mean, like, not, not being creepy about it, but, <laughs> I mean, people are very, they're very close. They're very close. It's a close-knit place. And as a result of that, People are so much, I think, New Zealand founders are are so generous and they want to help. They want to connect. They want to assist. They want to do whatever they can do to help you on your way. It's not about people sitting in their ivory tower or flying off in their Learjet being super special. You know, that's not, that's not the Kiwi way. You know, the Kiwi way, people talk about tall poppy all the time. Well, yeah, I guess that's... It's for sure true, but more importantly, shut up about tall poppy. Let's talk about how lovely people are to each other in this tiny little startup ecosystem. What will success be for you and for the work at Ministry of Awesome? So from so many metrics, you know, seeing Christchurch shoot up and Canterbury shoot up the global rankings and be the fastest growing startup city and, you know, this wonderful new event and part of the ecosystem now in Electrify Aotearoa. You know, there's there's great things rolling already, but what will success be for you? I'm really looking forward to when Ministry of Awesome has to find a new business model um, because there are so many startups and our ecosystem is absolutely, absolutely smashing it around the world. And that number is 5,000. So that's that's the number. So in the startup at the startup council, one of the things that was uh, made very clear to us was that um, basically, if you want to be a world leading startup ecosystem, you need to have uh, one in one thousand of your population be a startup founder. So our number is five thousand, and right now we're at twenty four hundred. So we need twenty six hundred more high growth startups 
absolutely battling their way with Kiwi Innovation, um, growing it and having a, an incredible positive impact on New Zealand and the world. And then we're going to be there. And that number has to be at parity for where we are in the population in terms of, you know, our subgroups. So for women, 48% of those startups have got to be women founders. And um, for Moni and Pacifica, um, equally the same back to parity in terms of their representation in the population. Um, so 5,000 and then the right break, um, the right sort of breakdowns. Um, and then we'll be there. And then we can go do something else. Oh, thank you so much for sharing your story today. And uh, yeah, can't wait to see where you take it next. That's Marianne Johnson. Thanks, Simon. <laughs> so thank you so much to Marianne Johnson of Ministry of Awesome, to you for listening, and for everyone who helps make this happen, like our producer, Samuel Robinson. Do follow Business is Boring wherever you get your podcasts, and be sure to rate and leave us a review if you like what we do. In no order. From the Spin-Off Podcast Network, that was Business is Boring, brought to you by SparkLab. Make sure you're following Business is Boring wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information on SparkLab, visit sparklab.co.nz. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and of course past performance does not guarantee future returns. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.